0: Namaste beautiful yogis. Welcome to the beautiful yogis first podcast. I'll be hosting this podcast with John, my partner, and we'll talk about real life issues. We'll, we'll open up raw and truthful discussions about profound life experiences, spirituality, the comedy of life, and so forth. We're starting today with the t- topic of grief and death. What better way to start but with something we all have to face in life, and something our society often fails to address, often ignores, and often does not offer proper support for. We'll ponder upon the parallels that birth and death have, and the magnificence of life. John and I recently had a child, and two years ago, John's father passed. Both of which experiences have been profound and I would say soul-shaking experiences. So, John, welcome. And how was the experience of your father passing? Uh, what are, did you find any parallels between life and death?
1: In terms of the, the logistics and all the, the things that had to be dealt with in life, the experience, the experience was uh, probably way worse than I would have ever imagined, even though I grew up, you know. I was being fearful of losing my parents. The experience was was really difficult, but the the spiritual aspect of it or the level of understanding that I came to arrive at, basically because there was so much grief connected to it that I had no choice but to try and reach for some kind of understanding. And that understanding, whether it be true or not, led me down a road that that I never thought I w- would be uh, revealed to me, which is basically having some kind of grasp over the fact that we are all eternal. Like we're all consciousness and we're all part of the universal mind. So that consciousness is eternal, whether it, it's encapsulated in something that thinks it's an individual or whether it's encapsulated in... In something that thinks it's larger or beyond that you know the the consciousness itself is eternal and then you can break it down to other things in terms of how we we, we define ourselves as individuals but it was basically a, a incredible experience it was extremely difficult uh, and incredibly uh, enlightening
0: and what i I, um, I'm observing is that the exit uh, the exit of life and the entrance have such profound parallels or they're so similar but in reverse order. Uh, basically, it's the breakdown of individual consciousness as opposed to the discovering yourself and your individual consciousness uh, through birth. And the exit is shedding that individual consciousness and becoming a little larger than that, or just becoming more connected to the universal oneness, as to with birth, you you are moving in the opposite line where you are connecting to the self, connecting to uh, who you are, or to that particular individuality you're going to be in this life.
1: Also if you look at the, the, the physical, like if you observe the physical similarities between the two. It's also very interesting in terms of like my father, he passed from a, uh, a brain tumor, but once he set in, once he set towards death, the, the death experience as per hospice and all that is, is very similar where the body uh, starts to shut down in a, in a very specific way. So there's, there's kind of um, milestones as the person is getting closer to passing. And what I observed in my, my father was that he became more childlike. And I remember hearing these two women talking about uh, the passing of one of their mothers. She was explaining the experience to her. Uh, and I think I was at, at a, a temple at the time, and I was putting my shoes on. And she observed the same thing that I observed with my father, except that she, she defined it as, oh, you know, uh, my mother became like true, you know, pure love, pure consciousness. and. And what I observed in my father was, he became like pure understanding. And, and that was, that's kind of what you see in a child in a way. And also the physical movements are very similar. The, the way they kind of uh, reach up around their face and touch their face, and there's not total control of the hands. The looking to the right or to the left, the eyes facing down. Uh, I, I, I know with the death experience, there's something called a deathbed phenomenon, which is once the person is bed bound, they, they reach their hands up towards the ceiling uh, and do these weird moves with their hands, which I observe with my father. Or they speak to past relatives, or the, it's not known who they're speaking to, but they all have these kind of visions that are beyond hallucinations. They, they're actual like real strong visions that don't cause any fear in them. It's, it's almost like uh, dead relatives are coming to put them at ease, or maybe they're angels or some kind of higher consciousness. but. He went through all those things, and he was actually very empirical. He was a medical doctor, uh, and he raised me agnostic, so he wasn't into any kind of spiritual teachings. But uh, towards the end, there he he, he was definitely uh, interacting with some kind of higher consciousness, while at the same time he was like a child. He became childlike. It was, it was that was incredible. That that experience was incredible. Witnessing that, and then now with a newborn, I see it's. I feel because towards the end. You know, he was bed-bound, and my brother and I took care of him. So he had to be put in diapers. Uh, he had to be turned to the left and to the right. Uh, picking him up, when I would pick him up, when I would lift him, he would he would hold his hands by his chest and, and shiver him the way a newborn does uh, because he was losing control of all those functions. So there there was all these... There's, there's incredible similarities.
0: Yeah, those are the reflexes. And also, both the entrance into life and the exit from life, they both uh, seem to um, to be uh, basically a comparison between the two is pure. I would, uh, if I have to choose one word, it would be, or two words, it would be, uh, pure innocence or innocence. There is just this profound innocence, right at the exit and right at the entrance, yeah. because the person sheds the ego, or still hasn't fully embodied the ego, because a baby is trying to, trying so, the baby is putting so much work to discover their ego and to discover who they are, to discover the place in the world, their individuality, that starting with just discovering their body, that that's them, they're not their mom, they're not their dad, they're someone separate. So we come here to, to basically experience separateness and then on the exit we reverse the process and both the exit and the entrance are pure innocence and if you're hearing any squeaky sounds that's baby
1: <laughs> basically her, her and i were speaking earlier and we came up with the line uh, or the two lines when you die in this life you are born into another and it's that whole idea of you know when a door closes a new door opens and, and one of the ways i used to envision death was you know, someone laying uh, uh, in their deathbed in a dark room, feeling sad, not being able to see outside, that kind of thing. And from what I experienced with my father, and even, even with my grandmother, she passed uh, about 10 years ago. But, but what, I, what I saw was that basically when someone's passing, they're not necessarily caught up with the past. I think that they, once they go into the death realm, or, or once their body starts to prepare to, to pass on, uh, I think they're seeing something ahead of them. Uh, and that's what I clearly saw with my father, so while he was in the other room, um, you know struggling for for breath, I would be in the next room watching three's company and remembering when I was nine years old how he I would beg him to let me stay up to watch three's company and oh, it's a Friday night, and he's in there struggling for air and how and the incredible parties he used to throw when I was a kid he he was a a, a lavish man, and he he had big parties and he loved fancy things, that kind of thing. And now uh, he's in a, a dark room by himself, uh, and there's nothing really I can do for him except l- let the, the, the process of death take over his body. Um, but but what, I, what I clearly saw in him um, was him looking forward. He, he disconnected from me. He um, started having... It looked like... Uh, he, he, it's almost like he would go unconscious, and when he came to, he'd be surprised to see me there but he had the serenity and this, this peacefulness about him. Uh, and that's what I see in a newborn too. I see, um, I see them dozing off and when they come back to, they, they see you and are kind of surprised by you. Our newborn is only about five weeks old, but she's now just now starting to understand that she's an individual and who we are. And I think on the other end when you pass is that your, your individuality starts to, to dissolve. Uh, it's, it's similar to the, the the what the Tibetans write about in the Tibetan Book of the Dead where they say you, you're, when you pass your ego dissolves so everything that you identify yourself with goes away so including your name, all the material things you identify with yourself, all that stuff goes away but your consciousness continues so that's, that's, that's Lotus right there <laughs> oh
0: so the concept of consciousness continuing is pretty much in every religion and in every spiritual teaching. And it's, it's just in general, it's something we understand. But how do you apply this when you're dealing with grief and the person is actually not physically there anymore? And grief is, let's face it, grief is real.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know that dealing with death in general is traumatic. I think you, if a loved one ends up on their deathbed and you witness them pass that way, or if they get killed in a car wreck, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, I think, to the one passing how they die, because I think we experience many deaths through many lives. But in terms of the, the person, the loved one, or the person that's left behind on Earth, uh, the experience is, is going to be traumatic, I would say. I don't think there's any way to get around experiencing death without it being kind of traumatic. So I think that sits into one's subconscious a certain way. And also the experience itself sits in the body probably right it, i guess it's that whole concept of that the body's constantly creating new cells and within within those cells that are being creative whatever created at that moment um the nature of those cells are reflective of the way you're feeling probably so you can store old pain you know in your in your physical body so if you deal with with death you know, a year or two later, even five years later, the the grief can still be stored in your physical body.
0: So how do you prevent it from storing? How do you actually uh, deal with the reality of death rather than storing it for later or storing it and not dealing with it? And also, what are some tools? What are some tools that you used to process death? And it's a process. It's not something that you just get over. But what are the tools you're using to... um, to prevent it from storing to what are the tools you are using to avoid dealing with it
1: first and foremost it's the, the main tool is is that whole idea of know thyself so you got to you got to face things lean into things and be in touch with yourself so you know if you go through something traumatic like witnessing a loved one die you you have to express it to some level and if it's and if you need to scream and fall to the floor and cry, then you probably should. But at the same time, um, there's there's some there's also at the same time you can't let the grief run away with you. You have to physically express it. You have to delve into your emotions. You have to be honest with yourself, but you don't want it to stain you, or you don't want it to um, perpetuate itself so that it drudges up things that you create. You can actually end up creating toxic thoughts that actually are damaging to the body. It's it's like if you ate something bad or you got exposed to radiation or something like that. It's the same thing. If you have uh, real, real deep thoughts that are negative, it can it can cause a lot of toxicity. And and grief can do that. Uh, grief can totally uncenter. It should uncenter you, but you just have to be aware not to go too deep into it. And one of the ways. To physically deal with grief is do yoga, breathe, meditation. There's different forms of meditation, like transcendental meditation, which is more kind of like within your head kind of thing, but that can help deal with your thoughts and the, the pattern of your thoughts. Whereas, you know, like breathing meditations can actually help physically to flush out uh, negativity within your body by bringing in positive energy, prana, you you don't want grief to perpetuate negative negative thoughts within your body, and you don't want to store the negativity within your body, so that you actually become toxic over uh, some kind of traumatic experience or or you know the experience of loss loss of a loved one.
0: I also think that you have to ground yourself in spirituality and some form of truth, and because when you ground yourself in truth. Um, even though you're still going to experience grief there's no way around that you're going to experience grief but it's not gonna as you said stain or it's not gonna be damaging to your soul for for a longer period of time beyond this lifetime for example so i think when you keep coming back to the truth of who we truly are and within our soul i think we all kind of have that understanding of who we truly are and when we ground ourselves in some form of spirituality and some form of truth you process it without it staining your soul basically without it being damaging to your soul if you don't ground yourself in truth you're living you're creating um a thought you're basically creating a thought that is not real so you're suffering you're creating more suffering for yourself just because you're believing in something that's not real you have to ground yourself in some form of truth that it's grounded in some form of spiritual belief because that's why religions and spirituality offer this form of wisdom to you. Because within yourself, when you are aware of your inner world, within yourself, within your own inner understanding of things, there's always the truth and then there's always the mind. And if you create a faulty, Thoughts within your mind, you can you can get stuck in your mind and believe something that's not true, right? And um, that can be damaging to your healing process and to even to your connection with the person you have lost and to your growth process as a soul. So you have to ground yourself in some form of truth, which is generally, the truth generally is that we are, that consciousness never, never cease to exist, that nothing ever comes to an end within consciousness, that there is this continual connection between the, the souls that you love.
1: Well, there's also the, also there's the truth within oneself, that the whole idea of uh, people, they need to understand themselves So everybody can have their own truth, actually. Uh, It's that quote where it says, uh, truth is a mirror shattered by time, whereas in truth can be an endless amount of mirrors or or reflections or or faces or masks of the one consciousness. Uh, So every single individual can actually embody their own truth, uh, and that can be their truth. Um, but, But I think there is a universal truth, Within all living beings on this earth, probably other planets too, in, in the universe.
0: I think when you speak of dimen- of there is truth within our dimension, and it may be uh, it, it it may be arbitrary, but outside of this dimension, I think there is universal truth.
1: Yeah, and, and we
0: can all access it.
1: Yeah, and and it seems like what is that truth though? That truth is probably uh, love or or self awareness, self acceptance.
0: Yeah, divine awareness, love, love, yeah, and that is, to me, that is, it's not an easy way to deal with grief, but that is the way, getting grounded in the acceptance that there is no loss, there is no actual loss.
1: Yeah, and I used to hear those concepts a lot, and I actually never got it, uh, I, I maybe rationally tried to understand it, but then uh, when I experienced my, the, the passing of my, my dad, The night after he passed, I actually looked around the internet for all kinds of uh, answers about death. And for me, I was raised agnostic. I'm half Christian, half Muslim. uh, But both my mother and father decided not to uh, push any kind of religion on me. So I grew up in Southern California. All my friends grew up the same way. Probably like maybe their parents were Christian, but no one pushed, none of us went to church or anything like that. Uh, no one even really spoke about God that kind of thing, so those are the guys I grew up with. but then uh in my early twenties, I had a, a spiritual crisis where I needed answers you know what the hell is this place like what is this earth? what is the nature of life on earth that kind of thing and I found it in 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 Zen Buddhism, so I started studying with a Japanese Zen master uh, and I had a lot of and I was also I grew up doing martial arts uh, under a Korean master. So I had a lot of the Eastern kind of thinking uh, already was already influencing me. The, the first teachings that I was exposed to uh, talked about the nature of the mind, like the mind is pure. It's a pure pool, pool of water uh, and your desire, your thoughts it, or a pebble dropping into that pure pool of water, it creates waves and as the pebble goes through that pure pool, it hits the bottom and, and, and stirs up uh, silt and mud and, and and that's all the impure thoughts and desire but the nature of your mind is pure and everything is mind everything is now that kind of thing but I even needed more answers than that when my dad passed away and what I started finding was all these parallels between all the religions everything from Baha'i to uh, Christianity uh, including Zen Buddhism when I finally went to uh, my 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 Zen teacher and asked him because he's Japanese and it was very uh, kind of straightforward. It's a, it's that Zen kind of teaching where it holds things back. It doesn't hold things back, but things are beyond words. Um, it always seems like very nihilistic. When I really really pressed him, uh, it turned out he had the same kind of thinking, which is which is that our our consciousness uh, passes into. Uh, another realm after we pass, but there's there's a level of awareness that that continues, and so what I what I decided to believe for myself, listening to like people like Abraham Hicks, um, and other people in that realm. Actually, everyone's pretty much saying some form of it, including all the world religions, which is that um, you can keep in touch with your loved ones. You can actually, if you want to continue the relationship, you can continue it. And, and one thing that Abraham Hicks says is that. We are all at the furthest, the furthest expansion of the universe. All of us are. Um, my father croaked, as she likes to say, uh, two years ago, but he's still at the furthest expansion of the universe. He's still at the same place that I am right now, where we all are right now listening to this. That's where our, our loved ones are at, the ones that have passed on. So they're still they're still aware of you. They're still concerned with you. And we all have these, these eternal relationships with each other. And those relationships don't break um, in death. They, they continue.
0: And that was my experience, uh, first experience with death at seven years of age. I lost my grandpa and I wasn't offered any, any spiritual um, um, view of how to deal with it. So I remember laying in bed and trying to understand consciousness, and trying to understand how can possibly the thing that I feel I am, which is my consciousness, how can it possibly uh, cease to exist? I just couldn't couldn't understand this as a child because consciousness is beyond your body and it's beyond your brain, and I just couldn't accept within myself that the this essence of who I am is, is just bound to this body. I just couldn't, it, it didn't add up at all that the essence of that, the thing within me that's thinking, the thing within me that's understanding or that is experiencing everything around would cease to exist. That didn't feel that it's bound to my brain or to something physical, it felt so beyond me. And I think that's how I understood my grandpa's death. And then later on when my grandma died, I had such a profound relationship with her after she died that I didn't even question it. It was just such a strong understanding of I'm still connected to her. She's still, we're still communicating, and it's just I had no questions whether we're communicating or deepening our relationship or not. I felt that we actually deepened our uh, love and relationship after she passed. It was just when you don't resist, when you just kind of allow yourself to flow not with the ideas that you've been given about death but with what you feel i feel that you can you can allow yourself to connect with them and that is the way to i feel to heal grief because you connect with the truth of the situation rather than the grief is more our physical being here on earth situation that's not the reality of things we're interconnected and our relationships are deepening and loved ones are never lost And I think that's the main theme. Uh, Even though you can allow yourself all the grief you want without losing yourself in the grief, you have to ground yourself, anchor yourself in the truth of we're never disconnected from the ones we love. Never. We're always connecting, always deepening our connection, always, always connected with the love we have for each other. And I think that can take you through your grief. Should we wrap it up and continue another time? All right. So thanks everyone for joining us. And we'll see you with some other discussions. Maybe we will delve into my birthing story next or something about birth and life and all these experiences. Namaste.